Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. You know, I wanted to read you the last slide that I forgot to mention on a video that I just did. That's how it goes. You miss things. And the reason I want to read this to you, I mean, I wrote it, so there's nothing special about it other than I wrote it. But it's like, so why do I do this podcast? Why do I do the videos? You know, what's the big deal? Do I think I'm going to be a big hitter? Do I think I'm going to be a movie star or a, I, I think that clearly that's not uh, apparent yet. How's that? <laughs> um, but no, that's not the case is that I find in medicine, there've been so many compromises and sort of buried truths and a lying by omission from even functional medicine practitioners. You know, they're all like another group. I got to be part of the group, you know, uh, and they have decided to opt out to think for themselves and just follow the protocols they learned at that conference. So just got to do it. Just got to do it. And they talk with the same sort of idioms they, they just learned. So they feel current. And it has always bothered me. I've been to functional medicine conferences since back to the late 90s, should you want to know when it really got started. Um, and it's not bad. I mean, it's by far the better ilk of conventional medicine. It's semi-conventional. And um, so what I wrote was, you know, why would you pay attention to anything I have to say? Why would you pay attention to any of the videos that I go through, you know, or PowerPoints, whatever it is that I do in the videos? And basically is to increase your awareness of options that you have that you didn't think you did have. So if you are compromised by your health, as I was, desperately so, and my wife was desperately so, you want to know that potentially there's a way out of this. You know, there's an option that you didn't hear about. There's something that, a hand that comes down from the heavens, if you will, from a friend, if you will, um, from your neighbor that says, this is what you can do. So being aware I want you to change your life if you are and you want to because of health conditions. I certainly wanted. And so I'm, I'm repeating what was important to me. This is merely what I'm acting on. And I want you to live unencumbered by unnecessary compromises of poor health because you followed somebody else's directions. Or you, I don't mean another doctor, because you followed what you thought was right, what was okay to do, and you got yourself into severe trouble. We have to think for ourselves right now, which means first step is to be aware of your options and your choices, which means 
you have to be a little educated. So part of this is about education and your life will change. I have no doubt your life will change. So you got to drop the complaining because we all were short sheeted. We're all short changed. We're all were not given the appropriate information, the right information at the right time. And so this is why it is to live unencumbered by unnecessary compromises of poor health. All right. So with that, we're going to get into something that is, I think, something you can do. It's a little bit of what I followed up on last time, which is gout, the curse of keto and carnivore. But I want to go into it a slightly different, and I'll repeat some. So clearly, this is what nobody wants to talk about. You know, it. what about consuming too much organ meat can do to you? Or this is perhaps not the entire story. So gout, which is not what this whole thing's going to be about, but it's clearly part of the theme. Gout was a driver in the awareness of the public about a thing called uric acid. So gout, once the disease of gluttonous aristocrats, now is tormenting the masses. And by the way, that wasn't me. That was a title of a article from the New York Times on November 13th, 2020. So it can be tempting to ascribe the afflictions prevalence to our current climate of indulgence, but that's not the full story. Absolutely, it's not the full story. From the 1960s to the 1990s, the number of sufferers more than doubled in the United States and has continued to rise. So that was just from the 60s to the 90s. Now we're, and that was 30 years. We can safely assume it has doubled again. So it has quadrupled since the 1960s. I just, by conjecture, went from 1990 to 2020. Okay, it's all about uric acid. And so what does that tell us? Or is it all about uric acid? Recent attention to uric acid has been, in my view, misleading and incomplete. But you need to know what causes elevated or hyperuricemia, which is elevated uric acid in your blood. That's a blood test, common blood test, cheap blood test. It's arguably as cheap as insulin. And what causes gout? They're similar, but not necessarily the same. So the problems of high levels of uric acid in your serum, so we're just going to call it UA and high levels, whatever, risk is the risk of dementia may be increased by high uric acid levels in elderly people. So when they go around, check elderly people, and this is basically from a study, a 12-year study follow-up in the EU. It's a big French study, by the way, and it came out in 2017 to, or really 2018, to review those 12 years. So that's a big deal. And they said, uric acid is a thing. Your elevated uric acid correlated with dementia and Alzheimer's, period. That's what they're saying. Gout and the risk of dementia, a nationwide population-based cohort study 2015 from Taiwan. So they did another population study about the same time, and they stated it on gout, not just about UA. And it said uric acid was proposed to have an antioxidant property and possibly neuroprotective effects. We examined the association between gout and dementia with a population database. And we found out that gout... So, you know, I'm not saying uric acid. Gout had a lower risk of developing non-vascular dementia and vascular dementia. It's basically lower risk of dementia, period. So conclusions were that gout has a lower risk. 
So why is this the case? I'll, I'll give you the punchline now because I want you to learn and not to sort of hang on till the end. And so the reason this is, and it took me a while, I go, wait, didn't we just have conflicting information? We, in one way, we were saying uric acid was higher, it was, was correlated with dementia in elderly people. And now we're saying gout, which is about elevated uric acid, is not associated with. So gout, which is crystals appearing in your, in your joints, primarily the ball of your foot and other places, could be your knees, could be your wrists, and so on and so forth. So gout is basically an early warning sign. So people who had gout, think of Benjamin Franklin, who obviously didn't, wasn't demented in the end of his life, is that they go, ah, oh, my foot is so painful. They have this severe pain. It's like an alarm goes off. And the alarm is saying, you have to take care of your uric acid levels. So think of the people who didn't have that alarm. So if you got gout and your levels were five and six and seven, and your alarm went off, you're obviously very motivated to take care of it. But if you didn't have gout at the uric acid levels of five, six, and seven, and they went up to eight and nine and 10 and even 11 higher, and you never got the alarm, you never had gout, well, you're going to get dementia and you're going to get Alzheimer's. You're going to get the cerebral shutdown of cognitive decline only because you didn't get the alarm. You don't want gout. That's very painful. But that's the difference. And so by getting the alarm going off at five and six and maybe seven, they were then they took medications or whatever their method was, they pulled down the uric acid and they kept their uric acid low because they didn't want gout. So consequently, it didn't climb to eight and nine and 10 and 11 and 12. So that's the difference. They acted. So gout is so painful, you can't not act. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can also, you want, you don't want to get gout and you want to stay in the twos and fours, but let's get on to it. Okay. So factors that affect uric acid, uh, you you know most of those by now. We've talked about that before. Um, so it's like heavy alcohol, heavy alcohol use, especially beer and hard liquor, foods high in purines, which are the breakdown products of all living cells, your uh, DNA, your RNA, and your ATP. Uh, included uh, red meat, meat organs like liver, but actually the um, organ meats that are most associated with elevated uric acid is liver, uh, is kidney, and is what they call sweetbreads, which is thymus. Thymus is the organ uh, in under their breastbone or whatever animal we're referring to. And some seafood, including shellfish, sugary sodas, which is fructose, and foods with fructose and sugar, a lot of sugar, because sucrose is 50% fructose. Okay. So that's sugar from sugar beets, that's sugar in sugar cane, that's sugar in your sugar bowl. Um, some drugs used to treat hyper blood, uh, high blood pressure, leg swelling, edema, and heart failure will trigger uh, elevated uric acid and may throw you into gout. The other two things are fasting and dehydration. They're kind of self-explanatory. When you fast, think of a ketogenic diet. When you first try to transition from a glucose um, energy burner to a fat burner, um, that your ketones will go really high. It will take a while for your body to make ketones and then learn to use ketones. And in that roughly 30 days, the elevation of your ketones is going to drive up your uric acid. And the explanation is basically 
uh, your body has not learned to keep the ketones and to expel the uric acid and it's a little confusion there. So they tend to keep the uric acid and it gets higher. So dehydration is obviously when you're dehydrated, everything gets concentrated. You know, so a dehydrated urine is very concentrated. And if you're moderately high in uric acid, everything's going to be a lot higher, uric acid included. So dehydration. So what you can do is think of the reverse. You don't want to be dehydrated if you are toying with elevated uric acid. Okay. Um, what we'd like to do, what we'd really like to know and what we do know, we combine all the available science and common sense and so we can say that human beings must must already be, by evolution, well adapted, as animals must well be, to eating purines, all those proteins. They've been eating it for millions of years. Why is this a new thing? Which is found in whole foods, all foods, right? Those are the breakdown products of RNA, DNA, and ATP. It is likely that we are poorly adapted, though, to be able to handle too much refined carbohydrates, i.e. processed foods, or alcohol. You can have as much alcohol as you can possibly want to buy for yourself. These options didn't exist before 100 years ago, maybe except for a very elite few. So since they never existed in nature in significant amounts, we probably never adapted to those amounts. So high uric acid alone are not enough to cause doubt, uh, not enough to cause gout. In fact, most people with high uric acid levels will never develop gout. But most people, given what I just told you, in high uric acid levels, will develop, go on to develop dementia and Alzheimer's because they didn't develop gout, didn't get that early warning signal. Conventional pers perspectives on gout is if you flare, uh, if you have a flare of gout, medications can ease the pain and swelling. One of them is colchicine, which can be very toxic. It is a gout medication. It's effective and causes stomach problems, everything else. Um, you can have steroids, corticosteroids, such as pregnisone. There can be even shot inside the joint, which is really painful to do. One thing you should know is do not have aspirin. You can have NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, but do not have aspirin. You can have ibuprofen and take your NAC to protect your liver and naproxen. All right, so gout is known as the disease of kings and is most frequent type of arthritis it results from sustained elevated uric acid in the blood that leads to the crystal called monosodium urate crystal. And that deposits in usually big toe and smaller joints. Environmental factors such as diet affect incidence of gout, relationship between occurrence of gout attacks and uh, an acute gout attack, uh, and the consumption of alcohol and meat are pretty closely associated. Low purine diet is widely recognized as non-pharmacological method of supplementing the treatment and prevented preventing recurrence of arthritis. I'm going to show you how that's not the whole story. All right, so we know the story of fructose, alcohol, and purines. You know, they increase your uric acid. All right, and then we talked about vitamin A before. And I want, want to make sure you know that vitamin A isn't just in your, isn't because you're taking beef's liver or calf's liver. It's because you have a multiple vitamin that has vitamin A in it. You have other supplements that probably have vitamin A in it. It's in your shampoo. It's in your face cream. So you're having all these other, which is transdermal, you're having all these other sources of vitamin A. So by the time you get around to having a little organ meat, you're already nearly over or you've already had this leg up. 
So that's one thing to be aware of is how much vitamin A are you taking, not necessarily through your mouth, but through your mouth by other supplements as well. Here's the big one is the omega-3-6 situation. We're going to go into that in some detail. Okay, the problem about uric acid, it's a double-edged sword, and that's actually the name of an article in 2018 that came out in Current Opinion in Rheumatology. What it says is very low uric acid serum, uh, serum uric acid is associated with Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, and ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And a high SUV, which is what we're talking about, SUA, serum uric acid, is correlated with dementia. Patients with gout, though, have a decreased risk of Alzheimer's, as I've already told you. So what we have is a U-shaped curve. Like a lot of other things, U-shaped curve. You're very low, you got problems. Very high, you got problems. There's a sweet spot between two and four milligrams per deciliter. Okay? Um, so there's two ways to test for it. You obviously can go to the link in this podcast and go to Quest and go down to a Ulta Labs near you and get this tested fasting. And I would definitely do it with glucose and insulin. And I would do it with your triglycerides and HDL. And then you get all sorts of important information. But you can make it very vast and a bit complicated, or you can just go down for your uric acid. Also, you can buy a meter, and I have no association with this. It's called uh, uh, UA Sure 2. And it's like a a glucometer, it's like a ketometer, you now get to measure your uric acid levels, which is pretty neat. It'd be nice if they all ha- had all these together in one meter, don't you think? And insulin. So the thing about uric acid, so now we're going to talk about uric acid, it comes to you from two different ways. One is that you're fasting or calorie restricting. And so why is that? When you stop eating, that is your, your beginning of fast that depending on how you do it, may lead to starvation or not, right? And if you fast too long, you starve too long, you will eventually die. Well, your body gets that message. It's clearly ha- having no carbohydrates. And so it increases, it's a stressor. It increases a lot of stress. And it has to first learn how to go from glucose burning to fat burning. So that's where fasting comes in, as I mentioned before, but also exercise. So if you're doing high intensity training, really of any aspect, I do slow weight resistance, high intensity training, and that will drive up. First is you're going to drive up your glucose because you need it. If you're forcing yourself that much, you need glycolytic action. So we're not talking in the moment of that high intensity training. We're saying you're doing it on a regular basis. It's going to be dropping your normal average glucose numbers, and it's going to be dropping your normal average insulin numbers, and it's going to be dropping your uric acid numbers. Okay, so that is all called AMP, AMP kinase, as opposed to, so that's the fasting and exercise side of things, right? As opposed to AMPD, which is when you are now packing on, you're eating because as we all evolved, winter should we be living in an area that does have winter? Food is not around. You can't grow things in the winter. You either stored it and you put it away in your in your root cellar or wherever it was, or you canned it or you jarred it or whatever. Um, if you didn't put it away, you're not going to have anything to eat for the winter. So the whole idea was in the fall, during the term, times of harvest, Thanksgiving, you had a lot of grains. You had a lot of seed oils. You had seeds, which are grains. 
and uh, you had a lot of fruits that came on, whether they're berries or fruits and so on. So you had a lot of fructose. So the combination of high fructose and a combination of high omega-6 linoleic acid, which is what we talked about before, tells your body to don't burn this these calories we're consuming, store it. So it's basically an obesity way. It wants you to get obese because if you're not obese going into winter, think of the bear, that what are you going to eat? How's your body going to survive? So that was the way we lived for millennia, meaning many thousands of years, if not many millions of years. That's how we evolved uh, for that ability to do that. But now we don't have to do that. For the most part, if you're not homesteading in some part of Alaska or in the far north or something else, you pretty much can go to the store and buy any kind of food from any part of the world, supply chain problems notwithstanding, and and have that. So you're no longer ever going to be having the winter of your discontent of a food shortage. So that's that. So consequently, you don't have the fruit, you don't have the winter, you don't have to put food away, you don't have the food scarcity, and therefore you have no need to eat the harvested foods of the fructose and the, you know, the berries and the fruits and so on in the grains. So you're not going to have elevated fructose and uh, omega-6. However, enter processed foods, which are dripping with omega-6 and they're impregnated and dripping with fructose. So processed foods are in essence, your harvest foods is an analogy in a way. And they cause that problem. So the choices are having higher uric acid that leads to obesity, gout, dementia, and Alzheimer's, or learn to avoid these foods that are high in fructose and high in omega linoleic acid. Or hopefully you'll get your labs done and you'll be a little more savvy about yourself about the high omega 6-3 ratio. That would be a good place to start. Okay. So you're avoiding foods that are cooked in or contain omega 6 and or are sweetened with high fructose corn syrup or sweetened with even sugar. So the silver lining about lower, the lower risk of, uh, gout's silver lining about the lower risk of Alzheimer's is what I explained to you is because they had an alarm system that exploded, a very painful alarm system. So they acted earlier than anything else. And so consequently, long-term, they did not have chronically elevated levels of uric acid. Odd way of looking at it, but that's how they're looking at it. Okay, conventionally, there's just two ways to treat um, uric acid. One was, hey, don't don't do the foods, don't do the alcohol, purines, or fructose. And now I'm saying, if we're looking at diet as a trigger, then you're going to have to look at your omega-6-3 ratio and focus on your omega-3 foods and, and or supplements and think of the references to Dr. Artemis Anopoulos and the interview I did with her and that reference. And also the other is, all right, block the enzyme xanthine oxidase, which is how uric acid is made. So we can block that en- uh, enzyme, then we have less uric acid. And you could add to that, we drink more fluids and so we're not dehydrated. And also the we're going to get into the omega-6-3 keeps you from absorbing, re- reabsorbing it to your kidneys, your at your uric acid. So if we can have more omega-3s, that's the trick there. Coffee. Uh, Chlorogenic acid is the polyphenol that makes coffee work and does not make tea work. Tea doesn't have this. So if you're a coffee drinker, you can control your uric acid better. That's not going to be the only thing you need to do. 
Um, and that's well studied. And by the way, uric acid looks almost identical to caffeine. So they're almost interchangeable. And there's theories that that's why caffeine, even though caffeine is supposed to be kind of neutral, depending on what you read. Okay. So there's that. Um, tea does not help at all. In fact, it makes it worse. And there's a big study that came out just a couple of years ago from China. Vitamin A we talked about. And um, how I used to use uric acid was that it was a it was all about glucose metabolism. It was a biomarker for your metabolic disease, how good or bad you were. And now it's become more than that. You know, if somebody's high in uric acid, we're saying, hey, they're headed towards dementia. We now need to look at the various factors, not just alcohol, fructose, and purines. We need to look at the omega-6-3, their vitamin A, and we'll leave it at that, right? You also can off the cuff. If somebody is taking a lot of niacin because they think it's going to keep their cholesterol down, that actually will increase their uric acid. In Portugal, interesting study came out recently that they're now using uric acid to help them differentiate people who have major depressive episodes that will go on to further develop into bipolar, you know, manic depressive, and those that don't. So they're now using it as a biomarker for mental decline. Okay, so the bad news on omega three, that omega three is there's no bad news. There's good news that it, that it's it's inhibiting the reabsorption of uric acid. So that's why it's a good news. But as this is a big ch- study that came from uh, Japan, is that the saturated fats, which are shorter and um, no double or single bonds, they actually encourage the reabsorption of uric acid. So now you're looking at you know how much saturated fats do you have in your diet, and I'm a big saturated fat guy. And if you have animal like liver and so on, they're high in saturated fats. And so, but I'm asking you to look at your amount of omega three, not just to the omega three or your omega six three ratio. That's good, but look at your omega three to sat- saturated fat amount. So that's going to help you further differentiate a possible trigger. Right, so if you're thinking about it, I'm about to get my, I'm, I'm I don't like the gout, I don't like the pain, I don't. What do I do? I would look at your food sources, not just about pro omega three, but which which ones also have high saturated fats. And if you don't know how to do that, look at my video, Big Fat Lie. I actually did a couple spreadsheets of meat, fish, chicken, poultry, which I'll look at in a second. Here. But know that omega-3s, for the most part, inhibit the reabsorption of your urate or uric acid. And omega-6s, think of vegetable oils and so on, do not. They're oppositional as they were before. Okay. Um, what's interesting in the meat side of things, if you look at the highest amount of saturated fat, and let's say it's pork loin, beef liver, as opposed to calves liver, sirloin, tenderloin, ribeye, the highest amount of saturated fat by a lot is lean ground hamburger. After that, by half, less than half, it's beef liver. So I'm looking at the amount of protein that would equal 160 grams of protein. And I would have to have 40 grams of saturated fats. Now, let me just tell you the ratio of saturated fats in lean ground hamburger and they have no omega-3. So it's hellaciously high and there's a lot of saturated fats. That's probably, I would put that on a high risk 
meat um, for gout if you already have that sensitivity. So looking at saturated fats, your omega-3 is a big, big deal ratio. I'm not saying don't do saturated fats. I'm saying don't, just like me, don't go, I want liver every day of my life. I love liver and I love saturated fats. Why not be reasonable? Let's express a little common sense to balance these ratios, not to avoid. So do not do the opposite, which is I'm never going to have saturated fats again because of what you just said. Well, that would be being an idiot. That's a scientific term, by the way. So the interesting thing is egg yolks. Egg yolks now have about a 20, grocery store egg yolks have about a 20 to 1 ratio of omega-6 to 3. And they have a lot of saturated fats. Whereas, like in the conversation I had with Dr. Sinopoulos, talking about Crete, Crete, right, Crete, that they had a one-to-one ratio because of how they raised their chickens. And that's a whole different thing. So if you're eating food that's raised in that way, that's a big deal. So the things you need to think about is the omega-6-3, your monosaturated fats, and I would say these are other helpful things, quercetin, potassium citrate, which is famous for lowering your your, uh, uric acid and preventing kidney stones due to uric acid, elevated uric acid. Vitamin C, luteolin, which is another flavonoid from olives, and I think a special kind of orange. Xanthine oxidase inhibitors, so you have caffeine, you have the chlorogenic polyphenol that comes with coffee, uh, with, uh, coffee and decreased consumption of the foods. Think, I would definitely be aware of your fructose sources of food. If you're not aware of that, you need to. Vitamin A, how much alcohol is up to you, and purines. So there you go. The reason I just went through that was to help you be aware so you can change your life and live an encumbered a free life unencumbered by unnecessary compromises of poor health. I hope that was helpful. Hi, this is Dr. Goldkamikin for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O. P-A-T-H.com, Dr. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions. And uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.